I'm gonna need you to speak to it, Joey. The you know your favorite team, the Patriots. They're going hard right now. You know we got Billy Moneybags over here spending <laughs> every dollar he can get. My question is why spend you know two hundred plus million dollars just to go seven and nine again? I don't understand. I mean, first of all, that's disrespectful. Um, <laughs> they went seven and nine with the worst offense like in NFL history. So bring in Kendrick Bourne. Uh, <laughs> Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, difference makers. Mm-hmm. All right, no cap. We're we're making the playoffs again. No, Billy, you you got to trust the process. All right, he got his stimmy. Mm-hmm. Fact: the stimmy hit the Patriots checking account, and they decided to spend it all in one day. They went out and they decided, hey, let's get these guys, let's bring them to New England. So I respect it, and the Patriots team in general, is going to be significantly better than what it was in 2020. So can't wait for the season to start. We still got like six, seven months. Shit's trash. But I'm expecting the Patriots to uh, sign at least one more wide receiver. And then I think they'll probably draft a wide receiver and draft a quarterback as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a great next couple of months for the Patriots and for Patriots fans. So I'm hyped. I'm excited, and we should become relevant again in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you guys will be, you know, relevant in the same way that, like, the Texans are relevant and, like, the Jets are relevant. Yeah. Coming from a Lions <laughs> and fan. And the Lions are relevant. Let me, I will, <laughs> oh, oh my God. We're all in the same tier. Not, we're all not, in the same tier no, together, hanging no, out at the bottom no, of the NFL, the bottom no. of our divisions. The Lions and the Texans are in their own tier after about 50 gaps from the next team. Don't even include the Patriots in that. They won seven games Mm -hmm. with nothing on offense. And they lost four one-score games. Right. That's 11 and 5 if we just win those one-score games. That's a playoff berth in the AFC. Well... I don't know. Your trolling is starting to get out of hand (laughs) with this... With this Patriots and Demir Bird, I I don't know how much longer I could take it, bro. I'm going to keep it like this. This is the last thing I'm going to say. First of all... If they won those games, there's no such thing as if. You either do or you don't in life. You should know that better than anybody. Mm. Secondly, yeah, they paid all this money. They they got some wide receivers in there, and they did. They went from having the 32nd best group of wide receivers in the league to still having the 32nd best group of wide receivers in the league. Shout out to New England. All respect. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 132 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, in fact, in a matter of minutes, we'll be joined by friend of the show and our first ever repeat guest, James Brimacombe. James is one of the highest volume best ball players out there absolute expert on all things best ball. We're going to talk to him about the shifting change in the best ball market, some of his thoughts on it, and then we'll get into some of the big free agency news and the fantasy impact of the players that we know are on the move. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? 
As always, you can help support the DFS Dose by just following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out everything in regards to our content, videos, streams that we might do. So make sure you are following us over there. Another way you can help support us is just by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to listening to um whether that be spotify itunes um, soundcloud just make sure you are followed or subscribed and speaking of subscribing you can uh, subscribe to our youtube channel where we do the live streams every single monday at the dfs dose on youtube make sure you go over there and subscribe to us yep live streams every monday hop in the discord as well link to that is in the show notes we're always talking dfs talking best ball talking all things football so jump in that discord free to join as well but let's not mess around let's bring our guest in here james welcome to the show my guy how are you i'm good yeah thanks for having me back for second second season yeah i'm i mean we're thrilled to have you you're you're one of the preeminent mm-hmm. voices in best ball now i want to start here because last time we did this show it was may of 2020 last may I, I went back and i listened and we were talking about you know the options for best ball we were talking about you know best ball tens we were talking about drafters was this hot new company now drafters is se- semi-established underdog seems to be establishing themselves quickly DraftKings is in the market fan duels in the market the market honestly seems to be exploding and the options for best ball drafters are are more plentiful than they've ever been this time last year, there were no tournaments. Now tournaments have already filled. A tournament on Underdog that had a 5,800 person failed, filled already, and it's halfway through March. So what are your thoughts on this you know, form of best ball and the sort of explosion that it's having right now? Uh, yeah, I've kind of, I thought it was just going to happen last year, but everything kind of went to halt there for a while. But yeah, I think the future is really bright and in this space. Um, I kind of I see it as daily fantasy sports colliding with the traditional fantasy leagues right so you're getting like this hybrid um best of both worlds but also you know the dfs side maybe you're tying your money up for a long time you're gonna always hear that debate um Mm -hmm. but then on the fantasy season long side you're not you're not having to set these rosters so it's just you do that draft and you're good to go but yeah there's there's so many options now we have basically everything all the big sites out there um tournaments any tournament you want um almost different price points different league sizes different tournament structures so you can kind of pick and choose what your skill set is and or you can try to try a few different uh different sites and see see how it goes so with, with this increased like availability and like you said, different tournaments, different sites, different structures as somebody like you, who's drafting hundreds of leagues, you know, one of the highest volume best ball players out there, you know, how are you handling this? Are you trying to like specialize with one site, one tournament structure, or are you just dipping your toes everywhere you can get it, you know, getting all the action you can. I think you look at a lot of different areas, but yeah, just for me personally, I like the, the option to be able to draft from my phone. So mm-hmm. I can do it throughout the day. I can do it just kind of any, any time possible. So so that's a big key for me. Um, some of these older best ball sites where it's, I know they kind of, they don't have apps, but you can still kind of do it from your phone. But there's been so many times that I would just get auto-drafted and things like that. And it's just a bad experience for me. So 
now I can, I have six, seven different options. I can kind of pick what I want. Um, usually I stick to, I have one main site that I'll do about 80%, maybe another one like 10, 15%, and then another five or 10% just wherever else. What's that main site for you this year out of curiosity? Uh, so yeah, draft was, that was my baby back in the day. I just, I loved all the tools <laughs> I had. I loved everything about it. So yeah, I I've I've just switched right over to Underdog. I feel like it's basically the same. It's funny. I listened to your guys' uh, live draft there the other day, and all the <laughs> frustration you had. <laughs> but so, dude, yeah. under, Underdog's as... timer is messed up on Joey's. For no, for me, it's only messed up on my computer yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know why. That's nah. crazy. It gives him like an extra ten seconds, but he'll get auto drafted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a good laugh on that one. So yeah, we all we've all had those kind of drafts. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so let me ask you this question. One thing we talked about last uh, last time you were on the podcast was that now is the time to buy rookies, right? We were talking about it post draft. It's like your your stance uh, at that point was, well, you know, I was already getting these rookies at a good value in the March and April drafts, and then their ADPs skyrocket post draft. Everybody gets hyped on them, and at that point, you're paying a premium for players you could have gotten for cheaper. So right now, what we're talking in March. You know, are there any of these rookies that you find yourself going after repetitively? Any guys that their value just stands out to you crazy right now? Uh, so I haven't uh, dove in deep on all these rookies quite yet. But I know, I know, like the top guys and at each position, even them. I think you just whatever their ADP is right now, just draft them. Uh, if say like you have like one of those top two running backs. Um, and then you have Montgomery sitting there. Take one of the rookies because, you know, we don't know the ceiling of those guys. And once they land on a team, their ADP is going to go up a whole round. So, mm-hmm. And I think um, if you study the rookies at the end of drafts, you're going to have a major foot up on the competition. I know like, there's some wide receivers this year that people are are pretty hyped about. Um, so so if, you, if you'd like two or three of those guys... I would I would just kind of focus in on those or whatever their ADP is right now, and maybe grab three or four of them, and hope you're hoping two two or three of them hit. So if they do hit, you're gonna get that Justin Jefferson from last year, which you know now he's going in the second third round. So that that that's what the type of players you're looking for. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we were at the point in that draft last night where we're just like am I going to take Tyrell Williams? No, let me just take this dude who I know absolutely nothing about, but mm-hmm. let's get it. Rondell Moore. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to me for doing that. I have no, I've never watched a ounce of film on Rondell Moore, but I still drafted. Well, I bet you in November, you're going to be glad you made that decision. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. You won't be missing Tyrell Williams. I promise. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> James, I got to ask you, you know, I, I, be lying if I say I didn't notice that you changed your screen name on Twitter. You know, the infamous Eagles, three Zs, classic. You know, I've been following it for years. And now your best ball rankings, which obviously is, you know, a plug for your site. So talk about the site. You know, talk about the change from Eagles. Is this because you were so hurt that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson left? You just, you couldn't bear it anymore? Nah, I'm always Eagles fan. Just like, for life. Wait, are, are you a Lions fan? You can't, you can't. You can't die on that hill. You're always going to be, even when you're old man. Love Jared Goff. Love him. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm still a diehard Eagles fan, but just, yeah, that, that was just like a screen name. Everyone picks the screen name years ago, and you just kind of stick with it. Um, mm-hmm. I still use that. I mean, it's going to be on all my DFS sites and all my best ball sites. I still go by Eagles on, on those sites. So, um, I yeah, I just started... I used to do a um, a music blog back in the day, and I just kind of figured it out on my own. So I, I just, yeah, this this year I just kind of created best ball rankings. Just kind of whenever I have a free minute here or there, I try to put something out there. And it's more like a blog style, and it's I'm not going to charge money. You're not, it's not going to be a subscription or anything like that. Um, I just I always put information out on Twitter, so I just wanted this to be a place where I could throw information up and share it with every, mm-hmm. share it with the whole community because that's that's the reason i like the best ball so much it, it, it really is just a tight knit group of of just guys drafting and guys and girls drafting and, and we have fun we have fun on twitter we have fun in the draft room and we after you do a draft throw it up on twitter and five people will comment on it where you went right where you went wrong so yeah that's just kind of where i went with the best ball rankings and um, I actually I see even further in the NFL. You're seeing NBA, you're seeing MLB, um, even NHL. Underdog had NHL best ball, and that, hockey is my is my love. So, so that I was just like, ah, that was the greatest thing ever. I could do <laughs> best ball hockey. <laughs> what do you think the biggest edge is right now? Is it understanding roster construction? Is it being better at player valuation than the than the opposition what do you think it is uh, i i think the biggest edge you can get is obviously yeah you need to know the roster construction you need to know the rules all those basic things any, any kind of contest you enter you want to know all those things up front but then also you want to you want to draft a bunch of these and you want to know just on the fly 30 second timer like listening to your guys live draft 30 seconds goes by so fast and people get flustered and you you just make bad choices but if if you're if you're just constantly drafting these it's just automatic right Um, and and the nice thing about why i prefer underdog to be honest is they have so many tools to let you automate this stuff so yeah you say i'm this high volume drafter but I'm not going to tell you how many of those I could just auto draft because I can set my limits on on underdog and I can you know, I can switch that I can do that for five days and I can switch it I can switch my rankings like every hour um, so so there's so many w- ways that I'm finding edges in in doing uh, multiple drafts and a high volume so that that's where I'm finding my edge right now yeah and that seems very uh, similar to DFS right like the people who are playing 150 lineups opposed to hand building a couple are doing it with optimizers and it only makes sense that sites that allow you to set rules and stuff like that would be the ones that would draw the high volume players to them Oh, for sure. Yeah. And underdog, the, the best tool on underdog is that roster limits. When you go to set your rankings, you go to limits and you, you just automatically do that um, and set your rankings and you're just ahead of the competition right there. So if you get, you're, you're in the middle of a draft five rounds in and emergency comes up or a work call comes or whatever, um, you're not auto drafting the rest of that draft. Um, you're going to, 
you're going to have a solid team, even even just doing it automatically. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Joey, you got any like best ball, lar- large theory type of questions before we get into these free agency stories? No, I don't think I have any questions over here. Just sitting back and learning since I'm relatively new to best ball. Last year was like my first year actually you know, playing more than two or three best ball contests. So I ended up around like 30 teams or so across multiple sites. I think I'm going to do more than that this year. So just learning and taking in all this information. Yeah. Awesome. Hopefully the listeners are as well. Let's get into, you know, the meat and potatoes though, because we are in, you know, the midst of one of the heaviest news weeks that we're going to have for quite some time in the NFL. Free agency is in full effect, the quote unquote legal tampering period. Uh, I mean, legal tampering, that's a bit of an oxymoron, but even still, you know, these deals are getting done. They'll all be official. Uh, We're, you know, recording this on Tuesday night, so there might be some stories that break. It'll be at this pod will be out on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, forgive us if we miss something. Joey and I will be on on the YouTube channel Saturday going over everything that we miss here, but there's been a lot of major movement. Um, and, and Joey, I'm going to kick it to you right off the bat. You know, your favorite team, the New England Patriots, they're trying to bring back the glory days with this two tight end nonsense, Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. Give me your reaction. Do you think that they can both be productive? Is this a situation where we're buying them at ADP? You know, Hunter Henry's going as the tight end 11 on drafters, tight end 13 on underdog. Jonu Smith, he's tight end 17, 16 type of range. Are you buying at these prices? Do you think Cam, a quarterback who threw eight passing touchdowns last year, <laughs> can sustain production for the, the, you know, the position that counts the most on touchdowns? That's a loaded question. And, you know, I'm going to just break it down by both parts. So can they be, can they both be productive in the same offense? I believe that they can. Um, while a lot of people are going to compare it to Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez back in 2011-2012, I think Gronk and Hernandez are better or were better than Janu and Hunter Henry. Um, so it's kind of unfair to compare them. But I will say the Patriots did have a top three offense in 2011 and 2012 when Gronk and Hernandez were the focal points of the Patriots offense. And I think that is a scheme that Bill Belichick wants to run is a double tight end scheme. Uh, with two tight ends that have the ability to catch the ball and are used in the red zone um, heavily. So I think that's kind of what they're gearing towards. And then obviously you see the complementary signings with Aguilar and uh, Kendrick Bourne, and then they still have Myers and Edelman. But I think how I'm viewing it, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm not, but I think both can be productive in New England. Um, I think how they're going to attack it is what I just described is Hunter Henry and John are going to be the two primary pass catchers in the, in the Patriots offense. Like obviously they're both tight ends, but I think they're both better than any wide receiver on the Patriots team right now, besides maybe Edelman, but he is old. And honestly, I don't even expect him to be on the team come September. So I think they're both going to be used heavily in 2021. And then just a just a quick note, Hunter Henry was the tight end 12 in PPR last season. His stat line was 60 catches, 613 yards, four touchdowns in 14 games. So that was good enough to make him a tight end one. Um, and the stat line was eh, like it was it was very average. So it doesn't take a lot to be a tight end one in fantasy football. So I really do think that both of them can be productive with Hunter Henry being the tight end 11 on drafters and the tight end 13 on underdog. John, who is the tight end 17 on drafters. 
and the tight end 16 on underdog. Um, I don't mind taking them at their ADPs. And just for a quick reference, I took Hunter Henry in the 11th round in our drafters draft, and then Jonu Smith went in the 14th round. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about these guys, James? And and follow-up, do you think that it's kind of a one-or-the-other situation? Like, if you're drafting a tournament, is Hunter Henry going to be able to hit his ceiling if Jonu also has a good year, or is it kind of cap one, uh, you know, when you're going for the top of these big best ball tournaments uh so i have a couple thoughts uh some negative and positive on this so let's start with positive for and the patriots should have done, they should have done something like this last year right because we already knew it was going to kind of be a disaster before the year started so at least they're trying something here um so i i, I like the effort <laughs> but <laughs> as far as it's best ball we're talking about so mm-hmm. yeah people are saying oh yeah they just there goes both tight ends values, right? But that's really in regular fantasy because, um, yeah, you don't want to draft those guys in your redraft league because you're never going to know who to start. Um, best ball, I think if they drop a little bit in ADP, uh, I'd be fine drafting either one of them. Um, but what I would do, I wouldn't, I wouldn't favor one over over the other. So if I want, say, like seven, eight percent of 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 those players, I would kind of even it out and watch watch my percentage as as i keep drafting so i wouldn't want to get too heavy but i think that they're both viable um but let me talk about tight end in general my strategy is so i am playing on underdogs so i like it's the half point ppr so i do not value tight end very highly um i'm not a i do not draft three tight ends usually so i'm usually two tight ends and i'm usually okay with the tight ends if i if i get kelsey a kittle or a waller i'm pretty happy but if i miss on those i'm just taking two tight ends from tight end probably tight end seven or eight to tight end you know 17 or 18 two in that range and i don't even care because Tight end's not going to win you leagues. Uh, people think sometimes I also, oh, tight end starts in the flex spot, right? So people maybe are like, I want three tight ends over three quarterbacks. But to me, I think just you're good with two tight ends. Uh, I think that's why there's such a premium on getting a Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller. Uh, you're just going to put yourself above. But you also have to pay the price to get one of those top top tight ends. So if you can pick which, which tight ends are going to break out, I think that's where your edge is, but that be saying that that's why I'd like to take two in that range. I'm I'm kind of looking at my percentages of, of those players, and I'll flip them in rankings in order to kind of even out. and And I'm hoping, you know, two or three of those hit as a top, you know, seven or eight tight end at the end of the year. So that that's kind of how I look at the position in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell us about fading high price tight ends. Yeah. That's that's our bag. Yeah. for sure and um yeah just in best ball I'm probably if I'm taking one of them it's probably going to be Jonu Smith for me uh just because they gave him more money um they gave him an extra year I think right now he's a little better than Hunter Henry I think it's close um but I think Jonu Smith has a little bit more of versatility to him and they're going to use him in a various amounts of ways. So if I'm picking just strictly one of them at ADP, it's Jonu Smith. I think he'll be the tight end one, and Hunter Henry will be like the 1B to Jonu mm-hmm. Smith. 
but I but I still don't mind taking them if you are waiting on a tight end like he mentioned and um, we actually talked about it during uh, the stream that you know if you don't get one of those top guys, yeah, I'm I'm waiting until the 11th, 12th, 13th round to take my tight end one, and so yeah, I think that's some I think that's something that we both agree on. Yeah, and and I'm not opposed to stacking these guys with Cam. I think there's touchdown upside, especially when you talk about you know a site like Underdog where you know, yeah, you have to get there in the beginning, but you also have to hit on massive upside mm-hmm. weeks at the end of the season when, you know, all the money's really won in these tournaments. So yeah, like if Johnu Smith, you know, he could be average all year, have a couple big weeks for you, but if he hits for you in, you know, week 14, 15, that's when you're sailing to the money right there. And same goes yeah. for Hunter Henry. So for me, it's a price, it's, you know, a price conversation. If John U. Smith is going to be going five, six spots later as, you know, a tight end, then he's going to be the guy that I'm favoring. It's, it's simply going to be a price uh, equation for me. Mm-hmm. How I, how I'm viewing it is I think John U. Smith and Hunter Henry are going to flip uh, just because I think the majority of people are going to come from the same line of thinking um, that I just said with John U. Smith getting more money. Uh, so I think people are going to view him as the tight end one. Uh, so I could see Janu rising and Hunter Henry falling, but I, I still love Janu right now at his ADP. And then I just want to touch on the Cam Newton um, part that we kind of missed uh, really quick. I, I do think their value does kind of rely on how well Cam Newton plays. And honestly, I'm not really even considering 2020. Like I'm not looking at his results and how he threw eight touchdowns. I'm not factoring that into my process for this year um, for a number of reasons, which we talked about on our Cam Newton YouTube video, which you could find on the DFS Dose YouTube channel. You know, he didn't have any weapons. He had the worst group of skill position players in in the league. Um, no offseason, got COVID. He said that affected him like more than anybody could ever know. So. I'm not really looking at 2020 results for Cam Newton. I'm focused on what he can do for 2021, and the Patriots are showing that they want to give him weapons. I think he's the starter. Um, I do think they draft a quarterback, but going into 2021, he's he's the guy, and they surrounded him with two great tight ends, and I think he's going to use them. Um, he used Greg Olson a bunch in Carolina. Greg Olson made the Pro Bowl three times with Cam Newton, so I think the upside is, is there for Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith as the two top options in the Patriots offense. Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Ag- I mean, calling them weapons is a bit generous, no? They're more like Nerf guns, like low well, water guns. They're just they're just complimentary uh, pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Aguilar wasn't bad last year, but I, I'm not too high on him as a as a player. But the way that the Raiders used him, they transitioned him from a slot wide receiver, which he was in Philadelphia, to an outside wide receiver, and he he kind of shined in that spot. So I think that's what the Patriots are going to do. Kendrick Bourne obviously is a, is a solid piece. Um, he's not as bad as people think, but obviously they're not real difference makers. So I do expect them to maybe go out and sign another wide receiver. They still have about 30 million in cap, um, maybe even more than that after all of these signings, which is crazy. Um, and they'll definitely address it in the draft as well. So I think the upside is high for the Patriots offense in 2021 as, you know, clear-cut bounce-back candidates from a disaster of a 2020. Let's keep it in the AFC East with Corey Davis, who got big money to sign with the New York Jets. 
James, you know, do you think that the path to Corey Davis being a true alpha is there? He's going in drafts right now as, you know, a fringe wide receiver four five. You know, are you buying? And and I guess to a larger point, how do you handle players at this point in the season when their quarterback situations are just complete unknowns? Corey Davis has been one of my highest own wide receivers the last three years, it feels like. So, yeah, why not another season? Right? <laughs> Finally <laughs> but, paid off last year. Well, last year, what everyone was just done with him, and he was mm-hmm. his ADP was like round 16, 17, 18. Like, you get him at end of draft, so like, he, I'm, I'm sure his win rate was one of the highest out there just because he was he was free last year. Uh, this year, yeah, the Jets, I mean, the Jets can't get much worse, I don't think. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the fit, either whoever's the quarterback there. I think it'd be more fun if they if they did bring in a Zach Wilson or just one of these rookies that uh, could get the I don't know Darnold too. I I keep keep going back to him as like a third quarterback on my team. So yeah, I can't for some reason I can't quit the Jets or Corey Davis. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like a dangerous addiction to have. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it's not New York great. Jets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, on the subject of you know quarterback three types. How about Fitzmagic? Signs with Washington. Okay, people may draft Fitz now. I don't know about that. I think the real question is how does it impact players like Terry McLaurin, who's going as a high-end wide receiver too. You know, he's the wide receiver 15 on drafters, 16 on underdog. Logan Thomas is, you know, a top nine tight end on both sites. You know, is Fitz a boost for these guys? I mean, he can't be much worse than you know alex smith was right i mean i think he'll be fun he's always fun to start the season right and everyone gets their hopes up and everyone's <laughs> posting on twitter about his beard and has thrown four touchdowns and how amazing <laughs> it is and then week week four week five come and yeah he's sitting on the bench so he, he he's not a player i'm gonna target and i i there's an i cannot see him playing a full season yeah. as the starting quarterback yeah yeah, if you, no, I 100% agree. Yeah, he's fun. <laughs> he's fun, but yeah, he's not as a third quarterback. I'd rather take a Garoppolo, a Darnold, or even a Taysom Hill. But I'd rather go with like a Trey Lance or mm-hmm. you know, like a Zach Wilson or just one of those younger quarterbacks. Even if they don't start the year, I have two quarterbacks in front of them. Um, you know, like Jalen Hurts last year. If you get if you get that third quarterback that just comes in at the end of the year, it gives you a boost. Um, you just see more and more teams if if they're not in the race or even if they are in the race maybe they're kind of resting their players or they're running the ball more in november december so i i kind of like those younger younger quarterbacks maybe just uh, have a lot more to prove i, I don't know so I, yeah i'm not looking at fits fits magic <laughs> more more fits. impactful than fits though is yeah. is terry mclaurin so like do you think you know, I I saw that between the last ten years, twenty ten to twenty twenty, Fitzmagic's wide receiver one has averaged nine point one targets per game, and targets were never Terry McLaurin's problem. We talked about this all year on the podcast last year. You know, Terry was getting targets; it's just they were low quality targets. Are are the quality of these targets going to be enough to justify the price of Terry McLaurin for you? I mean, you're going to be taking him in the same range as guys like Julio Jones, Ceedee Lamb, you know, Chris Godwin, etc. Can Fitz sustain that level of production to make McLaurin a good pick in that range? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd draft him over all those guys. I think he has mm-hmm. uh, those. He's the kind of receiver you want. Has upsides, kind of, kind of a little bit unknown. You don't know the quarterback situation, but he has the skills. He has. I mean, they're building a nice group of. They have the running back now, so Washington might be the best team in that whole division. Which sadly, mm-hmm. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a fun player, and they're just gonna. F- find a way to get him the ball um even if yeah and he just makes plays so i mm-hmm. i definitely would rather have him than julio jones right now in their career or chris godwin um yeah i'm gonna go with him and i'm hoping that he gets to that you know wide receiver top five top 10 wide receiver which i think he's already top 10 maybe so joe you yeah. you were you were a big logan thomas guy last year you buying him Bruh. again as a top 10 tight end you know he proved you right can he do it again i mean he could definitely do it again with fitzpatrick but um like james was talking about fitzpatrick could easily be on the bench by uh, week five week six and i have that in my notes like fitz is the literal definition of inconsistent like you're going to get those great games out of him where he throws for 570 yards and five touchdowns but then you're going to get the next three games where he throws three interceptions every game and he's not even the unquestioned starter right now if i'm not mistaken he's going to be in a battle with Taylor Heineke now i do expect him to win that battle but who knows maybe Heineke comes out and balls but just back to the Logan Thomas um as a tight end 9 yeah that that's fine for him I think he does get a boost with Fitzmagic. Um, I think Terry McLaurin gets a boost with Fitzmagic uh, just because of his YOLO-style mentality, his willingness to push the ball downfield. 33% of Fitzmagic's uh, throws travel 10-plus yards through the air, which was tied for 11th with Patrick Mahomes um, in 2020. Alex Smith was dead last. Mm. with 18% of his throws traveling more than 10 air yards. So you're you're going to get a quarterback that's, you know, he's going to be willing to throw the ball and throw the ball downfield. And that's great for Logan Thomas. That's great for Terry McLaurin uh, for fantasy. So I'm liking them a lot now with this addition. But Fitz is probably a guy that's going to, you know, start eight games. And if, ta- if Taylor Heineke or, you know, if they draft a quarterback, whoever, if they come in, then Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas aren't going to be as good of fantasy options with them rather than with Fitzpatrick. All right, so so you you know you said Fitzmagic plays YOLO ball. Another quarterback famous for that is Jameis Winston. You know, LASIK Jameis, the blind bomber, the braille baller, whatever you want to call him. He has so many names. But Jameis signs an extension with the Saints, right? Taysom Hill. Same thing. They gave this man $140 million over, what, four years? I, I Apparently, this contract is all smoke and mirrors, and he's not it's really bogus. making that much. <laughs> I don't even know with these contracts, but the fact of the matter is that both of these guys are going to be competing for the starting job in New Orleans. Now, I think they're both draftable. I think they both have a lot of upside, but the way they play is so different. It's going to alter the values of every player in this offense. We saw Alvin Kamara you know, become almost unusable last year for a stretch when Taysom Hill was the starter because, you know, Taysom's the biggest ball hog in the NFL. He's running that ball. He's not dumping it off to Alvin Kamara, no shot. So James, how are, how are you handling this uncertainty with the Saints situation? You know, especially as it pertains to Alvin Kamara, who, you know, you're paying a top five pick for this guy right now. Yeah. The Saints quarterback situation is not one that I want to 
play with, so I'm, I'm kind of just avoiding it altogether. If I get stuck, say if there's some guy in the draft that takes six quarterbacks and I'm forced to take a quarterback, <laughs> then, then I'll take one of these guys. But even as a third quarterback, like, they're not going to do anything for me. Uh, all it is is just like a headache. It's like when you do a redraft league and you, you take these guys and they just sit on your bench all season long. So I only have 18 mm-hmm. I have 18 roster spots on underdog. I don't want to waste one with uh, James Winston or uh, Taysom Hill, especially when everyone's saying, oh, yeah, Winston's going to win the job. But we all know Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. That's his (laughs) boy. So so why even mess with it? If I had to take one, I'd take Taysom Hill just because – even even if he mm. doesn't win the job, he's probably gonna he could get you a game with a couple of rushing touchdowns. Um, but yeah, there's probably he's gonna start eight games as a quarterback too. So I I, I wouldn't play around with with that situation. How does mm. the uncertainty affect your valuation of guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas just he feels like I don't know what it is. I I can't draft him this year even. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even, even if he's going in the fourth or fifth round, there's just all these other high upside wide receivers that I, even, even if Winston was the quarterback, I don't even think I could do Thomas in the fourth round. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, it's probably wrong. Uh, Kamara, yeah, I'll still draft him. So I, I have no problem with that. Um, I, I'd rather have him as round six overall. I'd take Barkley over him and Henry and. Yeah, all the all the other big names at the top, but yeah, I don't I don't have a pro- I wouldn't let him drop outside the first round. Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor, like I I could see going Jonathan Taylor over Kamara, so I think, but then I think it's Kamara. Yeah, I, I think that's a legit conversation now. Joey and I recently discussed the one hundred and one and the top five and what to do with it. I thought Alvin Kamara was solidly in there ahead of some of these guys like Henry, but. With the possibility of multiple Taysom Hill starts, I think I would value Cook higher than Kamara. I'd value Barkley, Henry, and even maybe Jonathan Taylor a little bit higher, at least a little bit safer. Yep, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think so. Even if you get a top six pick, I think you're kind of that's what you want to get this year in drafts, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You get one of those running backs, and you just build from there. What do you What do you think yeah. about this, Joey? Michael Thomas going as you know a top ten wide receiver. He's in that same range as you know AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, and yeah, yeah. Are you buying? I, I think if he falls to the fourth round, I wouldn't mind taking him, um, just because of the Saints offensive situation um, they had to cut a couple of their players like Jared Cook Emmanuel Sanders are gone Josh Hill's gone um, so really it's gonna be Michael Thomas and Kamara that are the focal points of the Saints offense and then uh, just talking about Kamara real quick yeah like I don't think it affects him at all like I know that there was some splits with him um, while Taysom was starting and he wasn't that productive in fantasy but at the end of the day, for me, he's still one of the most talented running backs in the NFL that has high reception upside, and Sean Payton is going to use him. I, I think that's just a fact. So I'm not really too concerned about who starts for the Saints. I still think Kamara is a top four, top five pick in best ball. Um, a fourth round ADP for Michael Thomas is, is fine for him. I wouldn't mind taking him there. And then I just want to touch on the quarterback situation too real quick. Honestly, I don't know who's going to be the starter, and I think the consensus is that it's like Jameis's job to lose, but I 
think that Taysom Hill has a decent chance to start the season. And if he plays well, he's not going to give that job up. So I would stay away from the whole quarterback situation, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Um, But I think I do agree with James. I would probably rather right now have Taysom Hill if I'm if I have to take one of them at the end of the draft, I'm, I'm probably going to take Taysom Hill. He was the guy when Breeze went down. It wasn't Winston. No, um, they, people, were, they were both on for- the roster, and it was all Taysom. And, and people are forgetting that, I think. so. Yeah, I, I agree with you, especially when you know we consider what is valuable at the quarterback position. It's rushing upside, and Taysom put that on full display in his limited starts. So, yeah, Jameis doesn't have that. I'm, I'm all about Taysom Hill as, as a late flyer, especially in, in tournaments where you know that upside matters a little more than floor. I, I'd be hesitant mm-hmm. to take him in more of like a, a cash format of best ball. Yeah. But let's I, I keep think, it moving here. Oh, sorry. Go, uh, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, the one thing, I think it's interesting that he resigned with the Saints, though. So I don't know if there's like a promise there that he was going to be the starter because there there's teams that that could have used him so i'm sure they're going after him so so i don't know so so even that that makes the situation more tricky for me too so i just think that he re-signed because he knows that Taysom hills and is a stone scrub (laughs) and that he should be able to beat him out for the quarterback job but like you mentioned sean payton has a weird obsession with putting Taysom Hill on the football field. Yeah. Uh, so absolute infatuation. I, <laughs> with it. it's crazy. So honestly, like I, I, I'm comfortable with saying like, I don't know who the starter is, is for the saints. Like could be either one of these guys and they could both use them or Sean Payton could use both of them. Um, throughout the whole season, so yeah. The best part is we get to talk about this all the way till September. Since argue that oh argue those two boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real quick before we move on to some running backs, we're talking about some stone scrub uh, quarterbacks. How about that Andy Dalton signing over to Chicago? Allen Robinson. This man will never get a good quarterback. What is going on? It's Chicago Bears. I, I just feel bad for their fans. Like they just have to suffer through terrible quarterback play. Maybe they still try and swindle a trade for Watson or or Russ. I know the Seahawks said they're not trading Russ right now, but I I think that's kind of their only hope at this point. Uh, The quarterbacks on their roster are Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Um, Just absolutely disgusting. I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rob holds out for a couple months and God, who knows how that will affect his ADP if that happens. I agree with that. Let's talk about some running backs, though. This dropped uh, on Tuesday that the Chiefs decided to release Damian Williams. They opted out of Damian Williams, if you will. So how does that affect your guys' opinion of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going into his sophomore season? He's going as the RB19 on both sites. He's a third-round pick. You know, he was disappointing if you look at it through the lens of him being, you know, a first round pick, which he eventually became, you know, after Damian Williams opted out for COVID reasons. You know, before that, he was kind of going in the same range where he's at now, which I think is fair following the disappointing season. They added to the offensive line, gave Joe Tooney, you know, a nice 80 mil. How do you guys feel about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I think he's going in a chunk of running backs. They're all very similar. Joe Mixon, we don't know about him. Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson. You got Harris and ETN, the rookies. And then you got David Montgomery. And then it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Where, where does he fit with all of those? Um, that's that's kind of the beauty of best ball. Uh, if you're doing multi-drafts, you can... 
you can kind of just mix and match. Uh, last year, what was he? he uh, right before in September, he was going in inside the first round. So people are seeing him kind of as, as a bust, right, from that rookie year. Um, now you can get him third round, late third round. Um, I, I think I think he's I think he's solid right there. He's on the probably the best offense in the whole league. There's not really competition behind him, so why not why not try it one more time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I definitely agree with that take. And like people that listen to this podcast, and especially last season before the season started, like I'm not a Ceh truther. I am, but yeah, <laughs> you you 100 are, but. This is a guy that was going as the RB5, right? And like James just mentioned, nothing has changed from last season to this season. There's no competition behind him. He's still on one of the best offenses in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks of all time, with one of the best coaches of all time. They still drafted him in the first round of the real-life draft last year, so great draft capital. And now he's the RB19 on both sites. I think it is a solid price for him. Um I think there is value in drafting them. They did re-sign Daryl Williams as well today uh, to a one-year deal, but we know he's not really a factor. Um, he He's just the mentor. He's going to come in for pass protection and, and passing downs. Uh, so this, I think this is CH's job. I think the Chiefs want to make him the primary running back. He did kind of have an up-and-down rookie season. He started out hot, but then he got hurt, and then the Chiefs' offensive line uh, started to accumulate some injuries, and that kind of hurt him as well. Um, And I'm expecting the Chiefs to address their offensive line problems, which they already have, like Ben mentioned. So I think he's just a clear-cut value right now, although I'm not kind of high on him as a player. um, I think we can distinguish that from him being a great pick in best ball, which... I think he he's getting up there if if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, I absolutely love him. Ready to double down. Yeah, I, I think he's a perfect uh, running back too on your team. So that, that's mm-hmm. the kind of player you want for your running back too. So yeah, I see, and, and I think Damian Williams kind of people are thinking he was going to kind of come back and just be the same old guy. And the Chiefs' offense was kind of because even last year before Williams opted out, it was there was question marks there. So be, mm-hmm. between the two. But, yeah, Damian Williams. I think Damian Williams was one of the worst uh, picks you could have made in best ball leading up to him being released. I, I, there was just too Anybody that opted out last year, I just I wouldn't – pick any of those players heading into this year it's just not worth it mm-hmm. yeah that's that's interesting for sure aaron jones this this kind of broke a while ago so it seems like old news but he's staying in green bay they're releasing jamal williams james i don't know if you've noticed i'm sure you have but his adp is rising on both sites already i mean we talked about it last week on this podcast i went back looked at the notes he's already going higher on both sites and you know sometimes their adps adjust slowly so you know, he might be a borderline first-round pick before too long. Are, are you buying Aaron Jones back with the Packers? Uh, I, I think that's smart right now to get. I would rather have him than Ezekiel Elliott, um, even Nick Chubb. Um, I, I think Jones is we, – we've seen Jones in the past. He's He can get touchdowns. Um, and we just saw the Packers last year, just their offense exploded. Like Aaron Rodgers feels like he's back, and now you get rid of Jamal Williams. Um who always seem to steal everything from Jones. Like they just split, like there'd be a whole drive down the field and you're like, where's Aaron Jones? So 
Um, we might still get that with A.J. Dillon, but uh, A.J. Dillon might get all those goal line touchdowns. So I guess that's the worry. But I, th- I just think the Packers, Rodgers can move the ball so quickly and they can score touchdowns. So how many how many Devontae Adams one-yard touchdowns did we see last year, you know? Too many. <laughs> A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pain. Pain and DraftKings having to pay 10K yeah. for him every week. Like, yeah, yeah that, that was tough. That was tough. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's most of the big names. You know, unfortunately, I was hoping by the time we recorded this podcast, we'd have some Kenny Galladay news, some Curtis Samuel, some Juju Smith-Schuster. But alas, you know, these names, these these players, they're still out there. But maybe you guys have some takes on some of these ancillary guys. You know, are there any of these quote-unquote smaller signings that you think are going to have a big fantasy impact? You know, Marvin Jones to Jacksonville, you know, either of these Patriots receivers Gronk back in uh, in Tampa. We have Emmanuel Sanders signing a deal to replace John Brown in Buffalo. Do, you know, is any of this moving the needle for you guys? I think all the free. It's it's a lot like how we opened with the rookies, right? You want to draft the rookies now, a couple of rounds ahead. So the free agents are starting to kind of settle now. So you're kind of missing that window if you wanted those values. But I still think you can the next week or so before people just adjust completely. And there's a lot of these names I haven't signed yet. You could still get value out there. Um, mm-hmm. Just for instance, look at Pittsburgh. Juju is going to be gone. So his value, like I think he's a pretty good value right now. As soon as he lands with any team, it doesn't matter what team he lands with, his ADP is going to go up at least a round. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you think on the flip side, then you have Pittsburgh. Um people are going to realize okay he's not on the team anymore those top two pittsburgh receivers they're going to bump up and then you have james washington in the 17th round like he probably should be a 14th round player so you really want to like no matter what these free agents are or where they're signing which ones have already signed and which ones haven't try try to find values you still have some time to to get those values um there's still time and it's running out though. How about you, Joey? Any of these guys standing out to you as, as potential values or, or underrated impacts? Just from the players themselves, uh, I'm not seeing any guy that I would, you know, love to target like Marvin Jones and eh. um, Emmanuel Sanders. Probably not. I still think Gabe Davis is, is the guy to target um, in the late rounds. Uh, he's going he's going pretty late I think so yeah not not too many of these guys that I'm high on um yeah just not too interesting I just I just agree with James that it does affect some of the um current situations and he did mention Juju and we both agree that Juju is a good value um albeit he is kind of a beta so <laughs> I mean that that's just my thought on it no one Nobody has really moved the needle um, for me. I I got two I'm going to bring up real quick. So one is Carlos Hyde. Uh, We mentioned this briefly on stream last night, but I think that that is just such a great thing for James Robinson. They were talking all along like they were going to bring somebody in. Carlos Hyde gives me zero concern. James Robinson is easily one of my favorite picks. I'm buying this Jacksonville offense with Trevor Lawrence incoming. You know, James Robinson is getting drafted behind like six rookie running backs that he was better than last year going in the third round. He's my stone favorite pick in fantasy right now. And the Carlos Hyde signing does nothing to change that. Hopefully uh, people will feel differently. The other, the other one that really stood out to me, and this one just straight pissed me off is John Ross (laughs) going to the New York Giants like 
okay, you they already have a stone alpha deep threat. His name is Darius, a.k.a. Godius Slayton. And as long as Daniel Jones is the quarterback, they could not get this man any production. Yeah. Why are you bringing in another deep threat? Why? <laughs> and why is John it, Ross it, accepting this as a landing spot? This is just bad all around. It makes no sense as to why they went after John Ross. Uh, like like you mentioned, they, they got Darius Slayton as their deep threat. And Daniel Jones, I, I shit you not. Missed about 10 touchdowns to Darius Slayton over the course of 16 games. Yeah. I'm not even lying because we watched him a lot. Um, so much. On red zone, and it was just consistently missed deep throws to Darius Slayton that would have been touchdowns. Yeah, he just and, needs to play the Eagles every week. We all know that. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> literally money burning out of my wallet every time Daniel Jones took that deep shot. Pain. <laughs> Well, I, I have two more names that, but they haven't signed yet, but I think are really throw good value, values right throw now. Throw them out there, yeah. Yeah, Jamal Williams, I think, is a great, a great value at running back right now. I think once he signs, especially for best ball, he can, he, he's a good running back uh, four, four, five, or six on your team. So I think he'll have a lot of value once he signs. Um, and I think the best value right now is Curtis Samuel. So mm. he's he's kind of mm. like my Hollywood Brown from last year, where I was taking him like sixth round. So I think Curtis Samuel's when he signs and everything, um, in in a month or so, he's gonna be like a sixth round draft pick. I could see it. Yeah, yeah, I like that as well. And I mean, I've been buying almost all these guys. Curtis isn't one that I've been super high on. I'm gonna look a little bit more into that now that you've said that. I mean, I've been buying Kenny Galladay all along. We talked about it. You know, this was a guy going two, three rounds higher last year, and it's going to be hard for him to be in a worse situation, I think. So I love Kenny. I love Juju. Curtis is a buy. All these guys. I mean, this is the time where, 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 mm-hmm. while, their presses, uh, where their, while their prices are depressed. But, um, you know, I think that's all we've got for this. James, thank you for sticking around. Thanks for coming back to the show. We truly appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll have to get you back on maybe in a couple months, talk about some post-draft type of stuff. No, thanks for having me, Ben and Joey. You guys are great at yep. what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of your podcast, so I'd keep, I'll keep sharing it out there to all the, all the best ball folks and all the DFS folks. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep grind, grinding and yeah, well, I'll see you in the lobbies. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, my dude. Absolutely. We'll uh, yep. we'll talk Thank to you, you soon, all right? All right. Sounds good. See you. All right. That was good. Glad to have James on the show, as always. True pleasure. Dude knows everything when it comes to best ball. Always good to soak up that knowledge. Yeah, that's a fact. And I think we forgot to let him plug. So if you want to follow him, um, at James Brimacone on Twitter. Bestballrankings.com, his site. Make sure you guys check that out. He's grinding, putting out info, like he said. Definitely some good stuff from one of the highest volume best ball players. Joey, before we get out of here, I'm going to check in like we do every single week, you know, with how you're doing going through these Marvel movies. You know, you're catching up on the MCU. And, you know, from what I can tell from your Snapchat, you're ripping through these things. Oh, yeah. I'm banging them out. You're, you're getting to the good shit now. Record pace. Oh, yeah. The movies <laughs> the movies that I've uh, been watching have, have been great movies. Um, actually, just watched Civil War. I watched that mm. last night. Mm, um, that's the one. So that that was a pretty pretty great movie. Excited to see what happens after uh, that whole situation with Iron Man and Captain and Captain America. So next movie on the docket is Spider Man with Tom Holland. So I'm excited to uh, watch that. He was kind of funny in in the 
in Civil War. So gonna watch that probably tonight. Just banging out these movies, and I can't wait to watch Infinity War and Endgame. I only got like six more movies. Like, yeah, I started, you, you you went through these. Quick. I started like a week and a half ago. <laughs> I just been banging these movies out, like just watching them at at like midnight after you know doing doing all the stuff that I got to do throughout the day and just relaxing watching the movies sometimes i have to you know stop them because i'm too tired and can't finish and then just watch it the next day but going at a solid pace and probably gonna finish uh by the time of the next podcast so maybe we can uh, just do a quick little segment on the whole uh, mcu in general we'll have to i mean yeah infinity war is is probably my favorite movie of all time but um yeah so i mean what are you thinking so far are you you vibing with you know the the ancillary characters like the guardians of the galaxy type of stuff yeah i mean you vibe with that guardians was funny um yes the, the, those were those were some funny movies almost teared up at the end when uh yadu or whatever his name <laughs> when when he sacrificed himself but <laughs> uh, I, I, I like the ancillary movies. Obviously, nothing really compares to when all of the Avengers are in a movie together. They're, they still have some great standalone films like The Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Captain America Civil War, which is basically another Avengers movie. So Yeah, uh, basically. And, and some of the better standalones you still got. I'd say both Spider-Mans and Black Panther are some of the better standalone movies yeah, of the series. I mean, so excited for you to get there. Black Panther is what the highest rated movie out of all of them on uh oh yeah on Rotten Tomatoes yeah kind of crazy yeah for sure and it's got a fire soundtrack but all right that that's fire I'm glad you're getting there we'll definitely have to talk about this next week as well I want to thank James again for coming on the show that was dope and that's going to be it for episode 132 of the DFS Dose podcast make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. I'm at Ben Hover. You can find Joey at Joey Carrying DFS. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher, every other podcast platform on the internet. We'll be back next week on Thursday, March 25th with episode 133. We've got live streams every Monday on the YouTube channel. This Saturday, we'll be on the YouTube channel catching up on any free agency news that we missed. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Let's stay accountable. Keep it authentic. Vibes.